The Waukesha Christmas Parade Massacre in late November of 2021 in Wisconsin. Do you remember this? Six people were killed, dozens injured by a madman, a black identity extremist terrorist. But the story has been almost completely ignored. Today, we have justice. They found him guilty. A jury convicted the man. And this is what he did. We have to stop it there for obvious reasons. I've seen the full version of this tape and it's, um, it's beyond a nightmare. Six people killed, um, a kid, uh, all the way up to uh, a person in their early 80s, and again, dozens injured. Uh, the verdict, after a fairly bizarre trial, convicted Daryl Brooks, who uh, defended himself. And you know what happens when you're your own lawyer, you have a fool, for your client, but justice was served. We, the jury, find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide as charged in count one of the information. We, the jury, find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide as charged in count two of the information. We, the jury, find the defendant, Daryl E. Brooks, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide as charged in count three of the information. Sentencing will come later, but uh, this story was underplayed because the assailant is black and the victims were white. And that's a story that makes much of the mainstream media uncomfortable. They love it when the assailant is white and the victims are of color. I don't know why, I mean, it's detestable in either case. This man, however, did hate white people. It was all over his social media feed. He was fired up by uh, George Floyd and other transgressions, and he wanted to take it out on white people. It's throughout his, uh, the history of his life. The families, though, had some measure of satisfaction today with the verdict. We are satisfied that this defendant has been held accountable for his actions. We've been praying for this day for a long time. My five-year-old daughter came up to me and, and hand me, hand me, handed me this necklace with my mom's ashes in it, and she told me to take my mom with us for the sentencing. So she was with us today. So I mentioned race. Why can't we all talk about it? Why is it omitted sometimes and hyped on other occasions? Again, this time, the mainstream media told to ignore the obvious motivator in this case. And with that tragedy in Wisconsin, where a man drove his SUV into a Christmas parade, at least five people were killed and more than 40 injured. We learned today that the driver, now facing intentional homicide charges, was out on bond after he allegedly punched the mother of his child and intentionally ran her over with the same vehicle at a Milwaukee gas station earlier this month. NBC News has confirmed that the person of interest, the driver in this case, his name is Daryl Brooks. He's 39 years old from Wisconsin right now. So far, he's not been charged with a crime. He's just being called a person of interest. Yeah, person of interest, a driver, a man, a motorist, a suspect. They're talking around his race. Now, why is that relevant? Well, because it was one of the motivating factors. What is the motive? 
And this guy was probably fired up by the mainstream media. It's fascinating how they emphasize, oh boy, when it's a white man in custody, they won't let you forget about it. Here's a suspect, okay? He's a 21-year-old white man. This 21-year-old white male mass murderer. The suspect in custody is white. Police say a 28-year-old white male carrying two handguns crashed a stolen truck into a building. It's humanizing the shooter once again. And can I point out that the shooter is a white man who is alive after they knew that he had killed eight people. Uh, Gail would have preferred that the cops showed up uh, with their guns blasting and asked questions later because uh, the guy was white. Oh, humanize the shooter. Well, the shooter is a human. We're all human beings, right? It's a very strange dialogue that's happening in America, in part because people can make a lot of money, gain a lot of influence and gain a lot of political power by playing the race card. And Democrat political leaders, oh boy, they're good at it, especially the Biden administration. When they can hang it on a white suspect, when they can uh, go out on a limb and somehow say this was white supremacy, even when local and federal law enforcement says it wasn't white supremacy, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, They parachute in to exploit the situation. But if it's in reverse, if it's a person of color motivated by a hatred of white people, this stuff is all horrific. It should all be condemned. Like when that madman opened fire on the subway in New York City. No one was killed, but a lot of people had their lives ruined. Very serious injuries. This man was fired up by a hatred of white people. Useless white whore, dirty white, you want to look down at me, you. Frank James, ladies and gentlemen, a video he made before his shooting rampage. Black identity extremism. It's a real thing, or at least it was a term that law enforcement used. And they studied black identity extremists just as they can and should study Al Qaeda, white supremacy, you name it. If it's bad, law enforcement should know about it. But black identity extremism has been almost deleted Orwellian style from all the handbooks. You are not to discuss this. FBI Director Chris Ray. So nobody's being surveilled or investigated on the black identity extremism. We don't use we don't use that terminology anymore. That was part of the reorganization of all of our domestic terrorism threat categorization. That terminology went away uh, as part of this racially motivated violent extremism category. Fabulous. I mean, gosh, you got to be woke. You got to be stylish. After all, Senator Booker, Al Sharpton, Kamala Harris might find it offensive that you were looking into black identity extremism. I guess we'll look into it after we have a horrible shooting in a subway. Then the FBI will take interest. So we'll ignore that. We'll also ignore Uh, Any threats against Supreme Court justices who were in favor of overturning Roe? I never thought of it from somebody like Samuel Alito's perspective. When that opinion leaked, what was a guy like this thinking? Take a look. The leak also made those of us who were thought to be in the majority in support of overruling Roe and Casey targets for assassination because it gave people a rational reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us. Yeah, I mean, that was a rational. If one of those guys were killed, 
Joe Biden would have appointed a replacement and they guess uh, they would have kept Roe. And is that why the protests were allowed to thrive outside of Kavanaugh's house, even though they are totally they were totally against the law? What you're seeing right here is against federal law. Uh, let's go through it, shall we? Here's a federal law. This is against the law. Uh, anyone with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer, and pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States, or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by a judge, juror, witness, shall be fined in prison not more than one year or both, at least... Tell them to take a hike, get lost. No. Did they want something bad to happen? Something bad almost did happen. Remember that crazy kid who drove all the way across the country with a bag full of weapons, was hanging around outside of Judge Justice Kavanaugh's house? Uh, why are these things allowed to fester? And why isn't Senator Schumer in jail? I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. If you live in New York, this guy's up for re-election. Joe Pinion, a very good man, is running against him. Everybody should go out and vote. Let's go back to how he started. Daryl Brooks, um, you know, after he was convicted... And again, we heard from the families and the victims. Uh, they were honored. And we're going to actually meet somebody who survived that attack a little bit later in the show. But what was Daryl Brooks thinking after this? Was there any remorse, anything like that? No. He's upset because court starts tomorrow at 8.30 in the morning. Watch his reaction. See everyone tomorrow morning at 8.30. Um, 8.30 a.m. I trust that uh, the jail will give you a shower, so whether that's tonight or tomorrow morning before you come back to court. But I will order that. That's when we start court every morning, sir. Remorse or lack thereof. Stay with us. Kamala Harris, whatever happened to her? Well, she's tickled that there's no longer black identity extremism uh, case investigators at the FBI. And she's also totally thrilled by that yellow school bus. It was totally bizarre. Stay with us. Ooh, unfit Fetterman. Did you see that catastrophe? Uh, I know you probably did. The clips have been playing all day, but I just can't resist. I think it's very essential that we look at um, some moments like John Fetterman saying hello to everybody at the very beginning of the debate. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. I'm running to serve Pennsylvania. Good night, everybody. Comes at the end of the show, end of the debate. If you're Dr. Oz at that moment, what are you thinking? You're like... He did nail it, by the way, Dr. Raz, that is. It was, it was sad. How exactly, Mr. Federman, do you propose doing that to make it more affordable for, a fam for families? 
No, I, I just believe. I just making it that much more. It, it, it costs too much, and I believe providing the resources to, to reduce the tuition to allow families to be able to afford it. The arrogance of the Democrats to allow this to happen. They could have changed candidates. They could have replaced the nominee. They thought that they could fool everybody with this stuff, that they could just slip him through. No, of course not. Uh, one more. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh, uh, I, I, I do support fracking and I don't I don't I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. This kind of flip-flopping and incoherence deserves the presidential treatment. Barack Obama and Joe Biden will reward this guy with a trip to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I believe, a week from Saturday. They are campaigning two presidents for this guy who they should be figuring out emergency plans, how to re replace him, because he really can't be a senator. I mean, the procedural goings-on on the Senate floor, they get complex. And this guy could easily vote the wrong way. Mr. Bennett. Aye. Mr. Bennett, aye. Mrs. Blackburn. Mrs. Blackburn, no. Mr. Blumenthal. Aye. Mr. Blumenthal. Couldn't you aye. see uh, flip-flop uh, Fetterman getting it totally mixed up no. and voting the wrong way? They should be. Forget it, guys. It's over. Dr. Oz, he did it. It is now the land of Oz. Pennsylvania is the land of Oz. I do think he deserves it. He was fantastic last night, and uh, he's just a world-class guy. Um, here's a little bit. Why won't you fully commit to supporting him in 2024? Oh, I do. I would support Donald Trump if he decided to run for president. John Fetterman thinks the minimum wages is weekly allowance from his parents. He's not really cognizant of the real challenges. I can't go anywhere where I'm giving a big event where I don't meet multiple people who say their personal lives have been destroyed because of fentanyl overdoses. Yet John Fetterman not only wants an open border, not only supports sanctuary cities, but he wants to legalize all hard drugs in America, including narcotics. That is... I mean, out of touch with everybody. I'm a surgeon. I'm not a politician. We take big problems, we focus on them, and we fix them. We do it by uniting, by coming together, not dividing. And by doing that, we can get ahead. But I've got one question to challenge you with, just one question. If you take what I'm saying to heart, ask yourself this and others in your family. Are you unhappy with where America's headed? I am. And if you are as well, then I'm the candidate for change. What a closing argument. He's going to do it, and he deserves it. And he also deserves to be called Dr. Oz. Did you hear? Did you notice they were calling him Mr. Oz? How dare they? Guy went to Penn and Harvard and great doctor, and it's Mr. Communists do that. They take your credentials and they throw them away. Wrong. Ah, one more. Zeldin versus Hochul here in New York State. This is exciting. A Republican is poised to take back the governor's mansion for the first time since 1995. Uh, the debate last night, um, spirited, but uh, Democrats are worried big time. They know that this could very well go against them. Democrats are, this is way too close for them. 
And they only have themselves to blame, betting on the former lieutenant governor, now governor, acting governor, Kathy Hochul. She actually thinks that one of the most notorious parkways in the world is a nice place to be. You didn't even bother to vote to help me fill $86 million worth of potholes. People love the LIE now. It's just out there. Southern state. People are so happy to see this done. People are so happy, so happy with the Long Island Expressway and the Southern state. Did you see that? This is, no kidding, the worst road in the world. But for Kathy who treats this job as if she's the queen of New York, right? Going around, waving to people, dignitaries, getting to go to cool events like the the races at Belmont or cutting a ribbon, just showing up at the very last minute, cutting a ribbon like, like this means anything. Or she thinks it's getting on and off of helicopters. Oh, boy, they really let these helicopters, state helicopters, go to their head. So she's having a ball. Meanwhile, Zeldin, Lee Zeldin, the Republican, is fighting for his life. Literally, he's been campaigning around the state. This guy tries to stab him with this weird ninja knife thing he had. Uh, Gangbangers open fire right outside his house when his kids were inside doing homework. So, you know, some people thought during the debate he was a little bit too uh, fiery, too impassioned. The guy is fighting for his life and ours. He should be. We're still waiting for Kathy Hochul to talk about actually locking up criminals. I mean, people are at home waiting for action to make sure that the handcuffs are going on criminals instead of law-abiding New Yorkers. You have people who are afraid of being pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. They're being stabbed, beaten to death on the street with hammers. Go talk to the Asian-American community and how it's impact them with the loss of lives. Kathy Hochul's too busy patting herself on the back. Job well done. No, actually, right now, there should be a special session. The state legislature should come back and they should overhaul Castle's bail and these other pro-criminal laws with zero tolerance. But they're saying, elect me. She says, elect me, and then you'll find out where Maybe I'll stand on this issue in January. Alvin Bragg is not doing his job. The message will absolutely be sent that if you're the DA, it stands for district attorney, not defense attorney. Alvin Bragg can go be a defense attorney, but if he's not going to do his job, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to remove him as soon as I can. A district attorney here in Manhattan who was uh, totally out to lunch, won't prosecute half the crimes in the book. Um, the governor, by the way, was so arrogant, checked out, smirking half the time. This is a good man. It could happen. And if it happens here, it's going to happen everywhere. This uh, 2022, this is going to be like 1994, 1994 all over again. And in January, we had a new uh, we had a new Democrat, go- a Republican governor. We had Newt Gingrich in Washington, D.C. It was awesome. And Joe Biden, you have yourself to blame very much so. In addition to just being inept and weird, you never talked about crime. You never talked about crime and everybody's worried about it. Instead, you talked about strange stuff. Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. But you don't know it until you purchase your ticket. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair and they hit marginalized Americans the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. Oh, wait, but people of color, what does that have to do with anything? It's not a junk fee, by the way. I like the extra leg room. Sometimes I splurge, you know, ahead of time. That's not a junk fee. He knows nothing. <laughs> nothing. Next. So anyway, I'm optimistic. It's going to take some time. And uh, I appreciate the frustration of the American people. 
I don't think that's the right phrasing. He appreciates our frustration. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's like there's gratitude in that. Not, no, I don't think so. Um, One billion dollars they've allocated for, guess what? Electric school buses. This is like the last thing in the world I think uh, I would have asked for if I were given a billion dollars, right? Do we need electric school buses? They've worked great for 100 years. Uh, But Kamala, she had a moment today, uh, a little bit too into the yellow school bus. Here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just there's something about... And and most of us, many of us, went to school on the yellow school bus, right? If she gets this silly and giddy around a yellow school bus, what happens around a martini, huh? I wonder. Uh, Next, this observation about yellow school buses. Did you know, even though she likes them, they're a threat to children everywhere? Today, 95% of our school buses are fueled with diesel fuel which contributes to very serious conditions that are about health and about the ability to learn. Ah, yes, very serious condition. My health, I, I went through this myself. It's too bad. What I could have achieved if I were on an electric school bus, that's me getting on the school bus. Uh, little did I know those diesel fumes. Oh, my goodness, great. A billion dollars for this stuff. All right, so there's a lot of uh, fertile material, right? It looks like Republicans are going to... It's going to be a realignment like this country hasn't seen in a very long time. So what are they talking about on MSNBC? Hi, there, everyone. It's four o'clock in New York. New developments in what is arguably one of the biggest stumbling blocks for every single one of the criminal investigations into the twice impeached, disgraced ex-president and his campaign to overturn the 2020 presidential election that he lost. We are talking about all the ways in which ex-Trump officials and aides and allies are trying to prevent investigators from getting the answers to some of the biggest questions surrounding the Capitol insurrection. Oh, my gosh. They can't let go. January 6th. It doesn't work. This is why you're in the position you're in. Although, believe it or not, she's a Republican. She is a Trump-hating Republican. And all those Bushes, all those country club Republicans, they hate Trump. There she is. Uh, hmm, looks very perky. And George W. Bush, very attentive to each other in the White House. She, was, uh, she had some job there. All right, stay with us. More to come. All I can say... Is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Uh, They really don't. And boy, oh boy, don't ever trust them. All right. Uh, From time to time, Trump would give really amazing access to this Maggie Haberman, um, access that she'll never have again with an American president. And uh, she writes a book. And what does she do? Well, makes mistakes, distorts things. I believe she's lying about things. Probably. Yeah, I think she is, actually. The mistakes are just, they're too many, and never gives him the benefit of the doubt, never cuts him any slack. So uh, this is the audio version. Listen. He continued throughout his life to identify ethnic groups with the article The, as in a 2011 radio interview in which he declared, I have a great relationship with the blacks. All right, 2011, and it's true. In 2011, 2011, he did. He said that with the blacks. 
I have a great relationship with the blacks. I have, I've always had a great relationship with the blacks. Okay. Now, uh, what's the problem? Well, we don't really say that anymore. It's 2022. Um, how does she put it? Over my years of reporting in New York City, Trump was the only political figure other than another Queens-born politician, Andrew Cuomo, I ever heard publicly use that specific phrase. Wow. All her years of reporting, and she's been around New York since the mid-1990s, and Trump and Cuomo, the only ones, the only ones who ever said um, the blacks when referring to uh, the African-American community. Well, if only Maggie Haberman had studied her own newspaper, the New York Times, and in about 45 seconds, I found about 80 references to the blacks during a time when she was here in New York. In 2009, Charles Blow, December 4th, 2009. Let's take a look. Uh, back in the age of Obama, in fact, commiserating with the blacks could prove politically problematic. Next, uh, let's see. This is a little bit further back. It may be apparent soon whether white voters will support the blacks elected in 1992. And it goes on like this, example after example. And she's never heard. Let's take one more. You get the idea. The blacks they leave behind, right? It's just, and to single out Trump on this stuff, it's just not fair. It's not. They have ridiculous uh, standards, and I don't know, they never give him the benefit of the doubt. Take a look at this. Now it's, everybody's called a racist today. Yeah. Anybody that's the enemy of the other side, people that are the exact opposite of racists are called racists. And it's a very hurtful word, but it's, it's lost a lot of its meaning because everybody is being called a racist today by the radical left. Yeah, it, the word is literally a joke. It means nothing. In fact, the, the liberal left, they know that. The folks over at Saturday Night Live, back when they had Donald Trump on the show, they know it's become a joke and a meaningless word because if everything is racist, nothing is racist. And it's really a bad thing they've done. But take a look at the joke they made. And we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. You're a racist. Who the hell is I? Uh, I knew this was going to happen. Who is that? Trump's a racist. <laughs> it's Larry David. What are you doing, Larry? I heard if I yelled that, they'd give me $5,000. <laughs> Not bad. Amazing to think that he's been on that show, Donald Trump, uh, like a half dozen times or so over the years. All right. Hey, there's a new morning show with some promising young people over there on CNN. Let's take a look. A morning show is like when people walk into a diner. You come in and you get whatever amount of news that you can and you start your day. People's time is so valuable yeah. that yeah. if they have 15 minutes to watch the news, that's a lot of time. I knew he was a real friend when you flew to Slovenia for our wedding. And all my friends were like, oh, my God, that's Don Lemon. And I was like, I work at CNN, too. <laughs> it's all about a conversation. We're the place for accuracy and we're the place for context. Damn, we're not going to be watching. What's up with that commercial? Huh? What's up with Don Lemon and what he's wearing, by the way? Looks like Dr. Evil. Anyway. And what about that fake, uh, yeah, right? There's something wrong with all of this. And what's that woman doing getting married in Slovenia? And uh, what about that fake laugh? Did you see this? 
reason I knew he was a real friend when you flew to Slovenia for our wedding. And all my friends were like, oh my God, that's Don Lemon. And I was like, I work at CNN too. <laughs> no laughter, just that means they hate each other. I don't think it's going to work out. Look, the, those shows don't last very long. Remember the last crew? They try to convince us that they liked each other as well. Why is TV this phony? It doesn't have to be. The real stuff. Anyway, um, good luck over there. We'll be right back. Well, you never know when life can change totally. That's uh, Kimberly Coronado on the right with her daughter, Ashley. This is at the... Uh, the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Everything was going great, a beautiful, fun day. And then a maniac drove his car, um, Daryl Brooks, through that parade. Killed six people, injured dozens more. He was, listen to the aftermath. Total carnage, such a horror. Well, today he was convicted. Many counts, and he's going away to jail for a long time. Sentencing will happen, I believe, in a couple of weeks. We are joined now by Kimberly Coronado. She was right there when it all happened. Thankfully, she was uninjured. She was with her daughter, her niece. And, and welcome to Newsmax. It's uh, good to see you. How are you tonight, and how do you feel? Uh, we're, we're good um, tonight. We are feeling a little bit of relief, um, I think, uh, it's validation what happened today in court. Um, I think it's a step forward in our healing um, and hopefully to justice. So can you tell me about that day? I mean, it goes from perfection. What could be more peaceful and beautiful than a Christmas parade in Wisconsin to the worst nightmare imaginable? Um, it yes, just happened it, so it fast. Was, uh, yeah, it, it was. And I didn't even know that you know, at first it didn't look like um, it, it was kind of an out of place vehicle. And um, when I witnessed um, the SUV run over, who I now know is Nicole, uh, you know, the front tires and then the side tires. And then he, uh, you know, veered directly towards us. And thank goodness my uh, sister-in-law uh, pulled my niece out of harm's way. Um, we were so close. We were within arm's reach. Um, my daughter was at my feet filming and we saw nothing but tire and bumper and red SUV. You know, uh, when I was a kid, I could be traumatized by a scary movie. Uh, what they have seen is obviously far worse and it was real. How are they doing? And do you think there's any long-term effects, consequences from what they saw? Absolutely. Um, we will be... Um, caring for their mental health long-term. Um, I think even just driving in the car, driving down Main Street, driving down 
um, past the schools. Um, it is traumatizing. It is um, something that we will never get over. Uh, we will, time will maybe ease it, but uh, it, it will always be there. And, and I don't know that um, our community will ever forget. I, I, I hope we don't ever forget. I hope um, the, the people who are lost um, are, are our inspiration and our, um, we're just going to hold them tight and hold them dear to our hearts for a long time. You know, I, I know this was a big story, of course, in Waukesha. It was a big story nationally for about 10 minutes, and then it disappeared. Um, it's in the news again today. Very little attention on this case. I believe it has something to do with the race of the victims and the race of the perpetrator. Um, I don't want to bring you into any political situation, but is there is there awareness of the dynamics in Waukesha? And what are your thoughts uh, about that? I'm, I'm hopeful that um, true justice will come out of this. I, I really hope that um, it changes laws and it changes um, um, our state statutes. I hope it changes hearts and, and lives. I hope it brings more trauma-informed or trauma-sensitive um, and, and training for domestic violence for um, lawyers and our courts. And honestly, Waukesha courts, they need some uh, highlighting of what how they're handling uh, domestic violence cases. Um, and I think really if we had done a better job with the Brooks case initially with the domestic violence, Perhaps we wouldn't even be in this position. It could have been avoided. And I really, truly, honestly think, you know, the the, the least crime, the misdemeanor, the, the one charge that was a misdemeanor was the battery of Erica. And she suffered immensely a lot, many years of being beaten. Um, so my heart goes out to her um, and domestic violence it affects every race, every echios, um, um, every income level, every race, every continent. Um, and Waksha is no different. So if we don't have eyes to really actually look at the problems and we fear away from them, we're not going to solve anything. Uh, just to be sure, you're talking about Daryl Brooks's, I had a little trouble hearing you, his, uh, his wife or domestic partner who he yes, abused, I think he ran her over. Mm -hmm. And yes, if they had taken that more seriously, we wouldn't be here. And what about the national conversation? Well, last thing, I mean, look, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they, they ran to Atlanta. You know, he runs out of the White House to make a statement about certain mass events and not this. And I thought it was kind of strange and conspicuous um, and, and a shame, but we'll leave it at that. Um, Kimberly, I know, uh, I just wish you the best. And, and, and what are you going to do this Christmas? Any special plans? Um, it's going to be a, um, a decision that we're going to have to talk about, um, even going to our Christmas parade. Um, they changed the route a little bit, but it's still on Main Street. So there's still a little bit of, you know, healing. Um, I think we need to uh, work on our fear and our trauma. Um, but, but honestly, I don't know that we'll ever go to a parade again. I don't know. We, you know, justice is also safety. Justice is also being mindful about our public 
um, you know, who's around us and, and do we really feel safe? I can um, understand. Totally. Kimberly uh, Santosh, all right? Kimberly Coronado, we appreciate it so much. Absolutely. And uh, our best to Ashley and your niece. Thank you. Take care now. We'll be right back. Well, the whole world knows that these guys were up to no good for many years, especially with Ukraine, $80,000 a month for a hunter. Um, it's interesting, though. Not many people on the left have been acknowledging the obvious. They ignore it. They look the other way or they explain it away. Interesting that John Stewart, the uh, notable liberal, said on a podcast today, what we know, what is so obvious, but when a liberal acknowledges it, well, it's it's interesting. Take a look. Look, Hunter Biden being on the board of uh, Burisma, uh, to me, that's corruption straight up off the bat. But the idea that nepotism would allow much larger amounts of money to flow into the hands of people unqualified uh, to be in the positions that they've been accepted because you think those countries are trying to buy influence. Yeah. Welcome to the world. And I think I, I think it's a huge problem on its face. Forget about any secret laptop. Well, uh, Eric Eggers joins us, vice president of Research Government Accountability Institute and co-host of the Drilled Down podcast. Look, you and I already know that, but I just was somewhat gratified to hear from John Stewart. No, it's too bad John Stewart wasn't running like the New York Times back in the fall of 2020. It would be nice to have some level of acknowledgement then. Uh, and he's absolutely right. It is corrupt on its face. Um, it was also corrupt, by the way, when they hired Hunter Biden not just to influence American policy, but to influence the vice president, who, by the way, was in charge of policy towards Ukraine at the time. Let's not forget, not only was it corrupt, but that's the topic that then President Trump was asking about, a conversation that actually led to his impeachment an event liberals were so happy to celebrate. So it is nice, and I think to use your word, gratifying, to see someone acknowledge at least a hint of the Biden family corruption that we've known about for a long time. Uh, this Jackie Bao, uh, Hunter Biden had a secretary who had apparently, wow, um, sorry, um, uh, ties to the Communist uh, Party, uh, a secretary to Hunter Biden. This is before Joe ran for president. Apparently, she's described as as flirty, um, even with Joe and was encouraging Joe to run. How significant is this? Who is she? Where does she come from? And what does it mean? Wait a minute, Greg. Are you suggesting that Hunter Biden had ties to the Chinese Communist Party? Uh, no, of course, that's not news. Well, we've known about that. He started those business relationships with the Chinese government. No, 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 no. That, I, I know. I, look, and the trips with the father. But this, yeah. uh, this, 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 I did not know about. I did not know he had this secretary and that she may have had all kinds of connections. What about her? Yeah. What about her? She's uh, the latest in a long line. No, she has business connections to the Chinese intelligence apparatus. She was part of the business deal that saw upwards of $6 million flow towards the Biden family. Uh, it's part of a much larger and very troubling fact pattern. Of course, we know that the Biden family at large made $31 million in five deals with Chinese intelligence-linked officials. So the fact that she is apparently has Hunter Biden's uh, dog tag necklace is sending him flirty messages. Hunter Biden has himself proven to be not exactly the most chaste man uh, with the most devout of taste when it comes to personal conduct. So I think it, it does not surprise me. It's just another layer 
of, I think, the manifestation of China's elite capture strategy, which they're very open about. And Hunter Biden appears to have been ensnared in. And I think when it comes to his secretary, potentially in a number of ways. Elite capture, do business with the elites of your adversaries, win them over and you own them, uh, win them over, buy them. By the way, Joe Biden with the media. He is surrounded by the media. He doesn't take many questions, but the media, they see him every single day. And he is yet to be asked a question about the laptop or Tony Bobolinsky. Have you ever met Tony Bobolinsky? And just to remind everybody, here's Tony Bobolinsky. I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At, and at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe that night, we discussed the Biden's history the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in writing, but only face to face. It's amazing. That's a credible person. He established himself with Joe Biden and nobody, nobody will ask him. Are we ever going to get to the truth? Because let's face it, the U.S. attorney is kind of pussyfooting around with all this stuff. Yeah, I think we will get to the truth, because let's not forget, to go back to your question about Jackie Bao, the reason why her name is prominent now is because members of the House Oversight Committee are demanding information about her from the FBI. And so I think the fact is that Tony Bobolinsky is an example of a former Hunter Biden business associate who's now trying to clear his name and expose Hunter Biden's wrongdoings. I don't think Tony Bobolinsky is the only person when the Republicans take over the House and have law enforcement and subpoena power they find that they will be telling very honest tales about Hunter Biden and how involved Joe Biden was in that business affair. Eric Eggers, we're getting close. Those investigations are going to be real for a change. Vice President of Research at the Government Accountability Institute. Check out his podcast, the Drill Down Podcast. Thanks a lot. Greg, it's my pleasure. Great to be with you. We'll be right back. Well, there I am as a little kid getting on the school bus and not really liking the situation. <laughs> I, uh, I actually was kind of scared of the school bus. There was a Dirty Harry movie where a maniac gets on the bus and hijacks the bus with the kids in it. Anyway, I got over that eventually. And uh, thanks for uh, watching. I'll see you tomorrow night. Good luck, kids, on the school bus. See you later.